0: Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Death Daddy's Graveyard Shift, where darkness and light intertwine and conversations about death and dying brings us all closer to life itself. I am your host, Death Daddy, and I am here to guide you through the twilight realm of all things death, dying, and grief. In each episode, we will dive deep into a wide range of subjects from the various stages of grief to the different bathing techniques that work best for certain health conditions. Through the podcast, we will provide much-needed support for caregivers, those warriors in the trenches who selflessly care for others at the end of life. We will also share heartwarming stories of human resilience and explore ways in which grief has shaped our artistic and creative expressions, as well as discussing the profound impact loss can have on our personal relationships. So join me, Death Daddy, as we traverse the highways and byways of death's domain together we will build a community that understands the complexities of grief and embraces the beauty of life even in its final moments all right josh thanks for coming out today it's been a while since i've seen you man it's really good to see you
1: pleasure pleasure to see you (laughs) all right so tell my friends a little bit about yourself uh well i uh traditionally i grew up here uh in the columbus area Uh, started in medicine, um, as a medical technician at West central Georgia hospital, (laughs) uh, a mental care facility for both, uh, criminal and domestic. Um, I worked in the criminal section and, uh, while I was going through EMT school, became an EMT, uh, medic firefighter. Um, I've done critical care at the hospital, critical care, flight medicine, um, And, uh, yeah, I take care of my grandfather who is, uh, elderly, of course, he lives with me and, um, have a a great son and wife that help me take care of him.
0: She's a loo man. And I think I'm busy.
1: (laughs) 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 My God. Okay. So.
0: Having all of this dang medical experience from all of these different backgrounds because it is so different practicing medicine inside a facility versus in the street. Very much. Um, and so your assessment skills are totally different from what I would have as, as a hospital set of assessment skills. Um, how have your experiences both in flight medicine, in the hospital, on the ambulance, firefighting, all of that good stuff, how have those experiences really
1: shaped the way you view and perceive death? That's a good question. Um, so coming into it from the EMS background, um, a lot of times you are the first on scene, first Games. responders, right? And um, so you get to, uh, I'll never forget my one of my paramedic instructors uh, said in terms of keeping compassion in your mindset first and foremost, that remember that when you call, it may just be another Tuesday to you, but it could be the worst day of somebody's life. And that was something that I tried, not always successful, but I tried to really keep in mind uh, that level of compassion. So showing up, it could be an elderly death that they knew was coming and you know you handle it if they they were full code you worked them um, if they had a cease and desist order you you know you DNR'd and it was fine do not resuscitate we're good um, you still had to deal with the fallout though of the family members being there because they are yes. bearing witness to everything that you did. right right um, the the pediatrics were the worst Yeah, always would leave just an indelible mark on you Um, for sure specifically because at that point it's no longer um i taught ems for a while and i would always tell my my students that the 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 natural cycle of things is you know we are supposed to put our parents in the ground our grandparents go in the ground like that's the natural order of things if if things play out without uh, you know any violence we will take our children will go forth and you know, do their things, and they will take care of us, and then we pass, and that's natural. Um, there's nothing natural, in my opinion, in of a kid leaving before passing before their parents, and that is extremely yes. brutal to for the parents, yeah. but also just as a caregiver, it's extremely yeah. horrible. Um, and in those moments, you feel all the responsibility. Uh, you always feel responsible, but in those moments, you yes. feel so responsible for can i do something and the the answer is yes i let me do anything um, right right MacGyver. Like you know you're pulling things out of your back pocket <laughs> that you didn't even think about trying to take in and, and help and at the end of the day sadly it's not like the movies you don't get to save you don't always you yeah. know bring them back right. and the parents sometimes look at you because you are our, you are our you know our guy we you know our girl we didn't we you were the one that was supposed to help and you can't and that's one of the things that that it really has taught me that death even if it is outside of the cycle of you know what's normal um it's it's inevitable yes Um, it's it's coming for everybody and it really made me think um Like I would have a really hard time getting out of my head and, and just, uh, I'm naturally a little neurotic and I sit there and I I start playing like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? What could I have done different? And not just in these scenarios, I mean, stuff at home.
0: I I do the same. Yes.
1: But it would, I would carry this stuff home. And eventually it got to a point where I was just a wound up ball of twisted energy and uh, my wife could tell, my friends could tell, and it was, I was miserable, right? Yeah. Um, and I had a wonderful experience, and this was on just uh, a uh, transport call to a dialysis clinic. And this lady was sweet. She knew she was approaching the end, and she was just amazing. And she's like, You know, you seem, I've talked to her a couple of times because we transported, and she's like, You just seem, Mr. Josh, you just seem, just all wound up what's wrong you're normally a lot you know t- more talkative and I just told her I'm just had a couple bad calls and it's just and she just told me she goes baby it's coming for everybody she goes you gotta let go <laughs> and, and I, just, I was like have you let go is it she goes it's coming for me I know yes and she's like but you got a wife and kid you gotta you got you can't be bringing all this home and right. it really stuck with me that I had to start working on taking myself out of those situations and kind of getting, uh, yes, I'm there to help, but also I'm not any good to anybody if I'm just this ball of just... Bad thoughts.
0: Yes, I, I became a master of disassociation. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and you know, unfortunately, that is also something I carry home with oh, me. Oh yes, you go <laughs> too far in the opposite direction. Most yes, certainly. yes, that's 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 kind of where I live. That is my my coping mechanism for the line of work we do as yeah, well. Yeah. Mm. I, I I think you have to. I think you have to. To a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it. I. I don't know how else you would walk away from losing someone and immediately walk into the next room smiling and yeah. delivering snacks and making jokes and comforting yeah. someone, letting them know everything's going to be okay oh, yeah. when less than three feet from the head of their bed, it was not so okay for that person. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, <laughs> I've gotten, I, I got much better specifically when I started doing flight. It got, yeah. um, it got a little bit, I ingrained the, the calls. Yeah. more critical right hell yes but
0: that's that's insane shit it's yeah you
1: know um but i i distinctly remember one time where i had a, a bad 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 uh two pediatric call mm. like it involved two uh, mm. young girls and um it, it was to the point where like when we got back to the hospital or got back to the base i was like I'm, I'm done no flights for the rest of the night and because you they have a 50 50 rule and there's three people on the Helicopter. So one person has 50%. If I say we're not going, nobody's going. Um, and I went to bed about three o'clock in the morning, woke up, came home and I had this moment in the car. I got out that morning and I'm just like, before I went in, you know, I had my son and my wife there and I was going to take care of my son that day and my wife's going to go to work. And I knew I couldn't bring that into him. Right, and there's this moment of just deep breath. I mean, the deepest diaphragmatic breath I could take, <laughs> and I just let it all out. And afterwards, I don't know, something just kind of clicked in my head, and it's like the sun's shining. Yeah, it's beautiful outside, yeah. and I'm coming home to is like four, maybe then, a uh, four year old that thinks his dad's a superhero. Exactly. And I'm like, you know what? It's Bad things are going to happen today, too, and there's nothing I can do about it right now. Right. I'm coming home to a house full of love, and that's... Everything. It. But that disassociation, man, it can come back to bite you <laughs> in the wee hours of the <laughs> night, <right? laughs>
0: Yes, it can. Yes, it can. When, when the wife's yelling, and you're just staring, and she says why don't you care about anything? Well, I, I, I care a lot. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I, I have a flat affect. I don't, yes, it's, I don't
0: know. It's, this is my baseline. Thanks, yep. thanks to genetics. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. But then again, coming from a combat medic who was a registered nurse, is it really genetics or is this a product of my environment as well? Well, and that's, the, that's,
1: that's the thing. Like I wonder about my son. You know, he we basically have a thing like don't panic. That's yeah. that's yeah. the yeah. rule. You never yeah. panic. Correct. And he and he'll sit there and like he's got um his neighbor friend is going on ten and then they have a he has a brother that is five, so going on six. And the six year old or five year old now is uh will like scuff his knee. He's just getting out of the point where he like everything is into the world, like scrapes his knee, oh no, <laughs> and, cries. and I distinctly heard he crashed his bike and, and scraped his knee and he, and my son Augie goes no one's coming to help. <laughs> Stand up. It's okay. And I'm like... That's awesome. I'm raising a monster. Like oh, uh,
0: <laughs> We are on our own. No, <laughs> this is like, Lord of the Flies, you man. Have to, you have to do this. And <laughs> it's like, oh, okay.
1: That's there, awesome. There it is. I love it. I love
0: it. That's that's amazing, though, because, I mean, think about, think about how prepared this kid is if he keeps a hold of that for all the stress that's coming his way. I mean, that's... That's yeah, he is just
1: not pushing it too far in the opposite direction, right? Like too too far into to that uh, the realm where it's like disassociative to a fault. Kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I do want him. I do want him to be well prepared and flexible and to be able to handle anything. But I also want him to take and like be okay with feeling things and like, yeah, you know, it's okay yeah. to be upset.
0: So I know right about this age with my kids, at least this is when they started really facing their own mortality. Yes. And, and everything was about death Good conversations. every, yes, every toy was dying. Every character was dead. I mean, it was just all about death.
1: Oh, we, we were camping this weekend and he, uh, he and his friend were like, so Mr. Josh, um, You know if someone dies so what if what if heaven and hell aren't real and oh boy this is it uh oh and I'm like (laughs) how does that make you feel and Augie's like I don't know (laughs) so this is it and we don't get anything else and I was like some people believe that yeah and 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 his friend was like I don't that makes me feel uncomfortable but and then we started talking a little bit more and they're like you know but this is it this is it
0: yeah we we're here
1: that's right it's like man from like a (laughs) six-year-old seven-year-old and like an eight nine-year-old and you're like man like you guys are coming around to it like this is who knows this is it verifiably this is all we have sure so make the most of it yes and they seem to grasp that concept now if they hang on to it correct correct yes um, it made me feel a little bit better just to hear them say that and kind of cycle through it because it's it's hilarious watching their minds like kind of just chew on something and then you can see it on their face. They're like, "Oh no, this is it—the <laughs> <laughs> existential panic." Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's to, great. till you're forty; it doesn't get any easier. You <laughs> exactly, <know?
0: laughs> and you uncover new layers. Ooh exactly. <laughs> wee. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Let's play this new game. Is this indigestion or the coronary? (laughs) I I did this cool thing the other day. So I'm 43 and I woke up and I scratched my head. I reached my arm up to scratch my head and then I couldn't put my arm back down. That was a new trick I decided to start doing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, there was some existential panic. (laughs)
1: Like, Like my patient said. It's you gotta, let go. It. gotta let go. That's it. That's so, <laughs> it.
0: That's amazing stuff. I always love it when I walk into my really, really old patients' rooms and I ask them the question, How do you feel today? Because I never know oh. what kind of response I'm gonna get. All of the dice. Yes, but my favorite, my favorite thing is when, let's say the guy's 98, and I walk in and I say, Hey sir, how are you feeling today? And he said, Well, I feel like I'm 98, and let me tell you, that ain't that good. <laughs> I, I love mean, those answers. It's,
1: you're not wrong. I, I don't know if I'll make it to 98, but I can imagine. I mean, I've smoked way and too and much like,
0: in my life. Yeah. There's no way I'll see 98. No way. Yeah, then, again, then again, you know... It, friggin' George Burns smoked more than any person I've seen documented. I mean, you forever.
1: You see, you see these octogenarians, and they interview them, and they're like, you know, what's the secret? And there's this one... She was a, like a southern lady, and she's like, baby, it's just... Dr. Pepper with a little bit of whiskey and some palm Malls, And I'm like, that, I promise you, is not what's doing it. But, you know, because if I did that, I would be gone. Because most of my family, they check out in their mid to late 50s. So, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So spe- specifically the men. The wow. Men, yeah, heart disease is, is a hell of a thing. So.
0: Mm, yeah. Bummer. <laughs> bummer. Bummer. You know, my, my mom, my mom specifically has smoked Jesus Christ. She, she smokes so much that she no longer buys the cartons of cigarettes. She buys bulk tobacco and rolls her own damn cigarettes. So there's no telling at this point how much she actually smokes. Um, but then you, you, she's had heart attacks. She has COPD. She's had cancer scares. She's had all kinds of crazy stuff. And this woman is still shoveling her damn snow in Michigan every winter
1: there's something to be said for just not just not stopping moving i mean if yes he, you know there's uh one of my friends He is 66 67 now he's one of my best friends dave yeah yeah, yeah. dave okay yeah he smokes like a chimney he <laughs> drinks beer cheap beer uh every week and disrespectful beer he yes he tells me he goes josh <laughs> these things talking about cigarettes these things are gonna kill me and here's the thing dave's Older than, than most of the men in my family ever get to. He still chops cords of wood every year. He does all... He gardens. He has a giant garden. Yes,
0: he does. Amazing garden.
1: He just keeps trucking, doing stuff, and outworking people half his age. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't know if I had that regimen that I would be in the same boat. But yes it's genetics and luck I don't know well you know
0: demise. I watched I watched my dad um, who you know in his own right he did a whole bunch of interesting things oh, that, yeah. that probably led towards his demise a little quicker but um, but he cleaned up his act, you know. He cleaned up his act and lived the last half of his life as a straight and narrow kind of guy. And And he ate well, and he he, he didn't mess with the sodas and, and all that other stuff that he, you know, he, he lived his most healthful life, and then damn colon cancer took him. I mean, <laughs> how, how is that? Where's the poetic justice, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. I I don't you know. try
1: and do right, <laughs> and that's when it gets you right. So.
0: That's it. That's it. Yeah, plus his heart. Plus his heart. I know that currently you are providing care for your grandpa at home. Yes. Um, talk to me about what your journey as a caregiver has been like um, and just any pieces of advice you might have for someone who is providing care at home to someone who is a little more independent than yeah. <laughs> their health will allow them to be. <laughs> well,
1: so this, this all started. My grandfather lived, he grew, he lived in, I grew up in a very, very, very underlined very rural area in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um not that far away from here. Um but it's it's a forty minute drive to get to anywhere. Um big big things, you know, like ambulance, in medical, right. anything, right? Um and he lived alone out there. After my parents passed, he was out there. Um my grandmother uh, died in the, uh, late nineties. Uh, my dad passed in 2008. My mom passed in 2013. Wow. So, uh, he was out there by himself, wow. um, in a, uh, a rundown trailer. He wasn't, he used to love to get out and garden and do all that stuff. with My grandmother, his, uh, failing health led the place to end up in disrepair. Um, and he would come into town, see us, we'd hang out and everything would, I and mean, we would, go karaoke in on the weekends. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was still rocking, um, but his MS kept getting worse, diabetes and whatnot. Yeah, um, yeah. And he it got to a point where uh, we were concerned. We tried to get him to move into town, but uh, being uh, a retiree, it's you know fixed income, right? And uh, it's definitely not the market to be looking for places. No way. Yeah. And he uh, he just couldn't do it. So we started talking about, we talked about selling our house and getting something bigger for yeah. him yeah. and we talked him into hey if we do this would you move well i need help but yeah and we found the place that we're at now and i i didn't realize how bad it had gotten uh, out there and he just silently soldiered on because he didn't want to burden anybody right yeah. and uh you know this is the guy that i grew up with i mean he lived right down the street from me and um He's one of the last living relatives I have. Right. And right. so he moved in. Now, granted, the uh, his apartment was not even started. He lived in the uh, one of the upstairs bedrooms. Uh, granted, the stairs were good for him. He, he got some good exercise. Um, he was with us more. He was able to take part in family activities. He yes. wasn't alone. Yes. And that's very important. I felt was a huge. Boone my wife also orchestrated his meals a little bit so you know better better (laughs) diet and he lost a lot of weight and he started feeling better Um, he started to fall which set him back a little bit in terms Mm -hmm. of mobility but he got better Um, I built the apartment that is now his home onto my house Um, it is ADA compliant and um, as much as it can be for him uh, specifically modifications made for his unique situation sure and um, so now He lives with us. He is right there. We are neighbors, quote-unquote. Good. And, uh, you know, we play board games. We sing karaoke together. Granted, I have a karaoke system now at the house. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, we grill out, drink a beer every now and again. Good. He gets to be interactive with August, my son. Yes. Um, So it it worked out. Uh, Now, in terms of care, uh, he is very independent. And he does not, still to this day, does not want to be a burden. (laughs) Um, so he does a lot of his own cooking. We take and we've helped try to get him in, you know, right in terms of diet and keep that um, momentum going. Absolutely. Um, we still take and push him to go walk and everything. He's he's embraced that. Um, so things like uh, any sort of. Medical appointments and whatnot. I t- try and take and stay on top of that. He keeps me abreast of like labs, what his doctors are saying. Good, um, because he knows that I have a background in it. Right, like, right. Maybe I can translate it. Maybe I can help him explain it better it. Yep. than the
0: doctors will. Yes. So
1: uh, we do that. Um, we take and we still try to have meals together to take and keep again that momentum going, and. Um, for medicines, he's still fairly good on keeping track of his medicines. We've tried to streamline it in terms of, um, creating a system that makes it easier for him to keep track of. Um, so he can maintain his independence. He can, you know, with his mobility issues and whatnot, he can still do everything. Um, but you know, I still have a little bit of eyeballs on the situation. Yes. Oversight. Yeah. And he, um, you know, when he had, he recently had hands or wrist surgery. Um, To clean up carpal tunnel issues Um, and it you know he wasn't able to do a lot so you know we're back at it and we're sure um, he's looking at getting um, some another surgery here soon that you know it's gonna be back on us to take and make sure so right now he is independent as much as he can be but the wife and I we do our best to encourage that because we you know like we talked about when you stop moving that's when it starts kind of, you know, the if issues you don't come. use it. You lose it. Exactly. Yeah. So we do our best to encourage that, but at the same time, have some oversight and some situational awareness yeah. on the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like, Hey, I, you know, I'm in there and we're playing a dice game and like, Hey, I note that this and this and this hasn't been cleaned. Are you having a hard time doing that? Let me, let me help you. Like, so go in clean and just kind of make sure keep upkeep and make sure that he's good. Yeah. Um, you know, if he has to take uh, and have like any sort of sedatives or anything for a procedure, I'm um, I'm taking him to his appointments. Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing for that is trying to encourage that walk that fine line between encouraging independence and not fostering a false sense of confidence. <laughs> because I'm so
0: dangerous. Yes. I want
1: him to take control of his of his, his med- medicine. I want him to take control of his mobility. I yeah. want, because yeah. I want him to keep moving and doing yeah. these things because if he stops, I'm afraid that he won't start back again. Correct. Yeah. And, and even if he does start back, it's not going to be at the same level. No, no. Yeah. And it's, so now it's one of those things where, um, you know, walking that fine line, trying to make sure that everything's, all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Yep. But He's doing it, and that means that it's a little bit more of a mental gymnastics for me because, um, you know, it's he—he's—he's he's a grown man. He's—he's he's worked his whole life. Like he doesn't—he yes. uh, there is a level of respect there that I, I, I will never tread on. But at the same time, like, pops, you—you're you, messing this up. You need—you need help. And yeah. dealing with and understanding that there is you know some compassion there that you know even if and when. God's bless him, But, you know, when he tries it and he messes up, I can't sit there and be like, you know, you stubborn, <laughs> right? You stubborn goat. I told you, <laughs> you know, like you gotta be, you know, look, man, uh, it's not a big deal. Let's, let's figure this out together. Cause I mean, we're, we're in it for the long run now. Like yeah. he, he yeah. lives with us. So we're, yeah. you know, and it's been a good journey, but it's also been stressful. And, and the big for thing sure. is understanding specifically living together is understanding that there are times when you need to make time away and times to have family time because there is that social aspect that is so pivotal in keeping him going. Um, But at the same time, you know, like my wife and my son, we have to have us time too that may not, you know, like he can't go hiking. He can't go on a vacation, you know, to go up to the lake and spend all day out there because his MS, the heat will just cook him up. so. You know, but also coming up with things that allow him to take part because he is a part of the family. He's not a burden, and he should never right. feel that way because we love him. Yes, and uh, it's it's been a rough walk to try and come up with things because again, uh, my son's seven years old. <laughs> he wants to go do stuff, right? And oh, and you're that kind of guy too, right? right? Yeah, you, so, you go do stuff, and like. so. Papa sometimes can't do stuff. Right. And it's it's not fair to him to just be stuck at home because if he was just if he's just gonna be stuck at home with no one to be there with him, you know, he could have stayed out there. Correct. And that's not that's not the goal of all of this. The goal is to take and make a cohesive family unit and still, you know, everybody have their cake and eat it too, which isn't possible but
0: social aspects of old age are so important. Yes. Um, it is just key to minimizing that cognitive decline. I mean, the research on older folks and their abilities to live on their own, their abilities to still manage their own medications and finances when they have a group of friends mm-hmm. or an active family life, yep. the research supporting that is just insane. It's undeniable. Oh, it's undeniable. Um, so I... The fact that you guys are willing to do all of that, and I say willing, it's family.
1: It's family. You, it's family, you, you got right. to. There's no other option. Exactly. Like um, he's the only. He's one of the only ones I got left. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's. And it, here's the thing. He saw me as a baby. He's wiped my butt. He's helped, it's you know, <laughs> full circle, man. It's, you know, it's the circle of life. <laughs> the least I can do is take and, and offer him what help he's willing to take. Yes. And and keep help him stay around in. Yeah. Uh, you know in in a a better condition than he would be out there because he's told me if I would have stayed out there I I wouldn't I wouldn't be alive yeah so thank you and it's like dude you no thanks needed man like I love having bright your old goofy ass around like it's it's awesome (laughs) like you know you're teaching you're telling Augie all these stories about when you grew up and like there's this this familial line of of stories and and history that my son wouldn't necessarily get if he didn't have Papa. And yes, that, that's cool. Yes. Um, so no, he, you know, there, there is. It's a give and take, but there's, there's a lot more giving there than. Yes. It makes everything worth it.
0: Yes, a hundred percent. Those were some of the best times I think of my child, my my kids' childhood was, uh, you know, being so close with my dad when oh, he was yeah. alive, uh, because you know the stories oh, that that yeah, guy yeah. would tell. Man, it just.
1: He's a rock star. Yeah, it's 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 been
0: it's been going on eight years now since he's been gone, and still just the 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 impact that that guy left on the kids. You know, Danny was that's half of Danny's life. Yep, that's half of Danny's life, and my biggest fear uh from losing my dad was that danny wouldn't because he was so young that he, he wouldn't remember. remember him um but he does mm-hmm. he does he talks about him uh pretty regularly when he comes home and awesome. and mentions very specific stories and and things that i can tell are actual memories versus what he's heard and he's regurgitating yeah, it back exactly. you know um so that's that's always very comforting for me to see
1: it's it's in a, in a way they they live on hundred you know, percent yeah. that's uh, i don't want to say it was a uh, Pratchett talked about, you know, the power of stories and how no one's ever really dead until no one's telling stories about them, right? Right. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things that he, you know, my granddad is, is single-handedly keeping my parents alive, yes. his parents alive, yes. and everybody, you know, so it's, it's awesome to see that and it, it's beautiful in a way, especially because it allows him to take and, and relive some of that. And you can see like when he's talking and everything that he gets more vibrant and like, yes, you know, the nostalgia. It's awesome. Yes.
0: yes. My mom is, um, granted, <laughs> my mom has this interesting thing. She tells stories all the time about her childhood and about my grandparents and, and all the aunts and uncles. They were all very close. Grew up in the same town, uh, Peru, Indiana. Uh, I think the population might be 5,000 and I may potentially be related to a third of the town. <laughs> um, <laughs> um But my mom tells stories about about all these folks, and and I can retell all of them because she tells the same six stories over (laughs) and over. And every time she tells a story, it's like the first time you've ever heard it, but I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. Wouldn't change it for the No, I act as though I've never heard this story before. Tell me every single detail, even though in my head, I know the next detail coming up. <laughs> Almost word for word. <laughs> yes, yes. But how often are you going to get that? You know, those are things that you just can't get back. Once they're gone, they're exactly. gone. That's you it. know, it, it, with dad being such a um, prolific storyteller yeah. and, and writer and um I, I kick myself in the ass for not being a bigger recorder of mm-hmm. things, um, because now all I'm left with, if I want to hear him, all I'm left with is an answering machine full of verbose <laughs> voicemails um, <laughs> telling me he's down the street with, you know, whatever it is I ask for. But somehow he stretches that out to a seven minute message. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's uh, I that's funny because that's, that's the same. That's the only thing I have left of my dad is a couple of voicemails. That I'm just like Keep them just yes. because, and I got I got a couple from my mom too. And it's just yeah. like in, even when she was in decline after my dad's passing, it, it's still you know just just to hear her voice a little yes. more. time. yes, you know, it's, it's, it's it's everything. Sometimes, um, <laughs>
0: have you seen those? Um, memorial tattoos that um, are voice waves. Yes. And if you have that app, you can you can put it over and you can literally hear their fucking voice again. That's awesome. That's insane. It would kind of freak me out though, I think, cuz I never know from time to time what my visceral response is going mm-hmm. to be to hearing his voice. Even though I'm expecting it, there's something about that first breath that he would take in, yep. that deep breath he would take in before he talks. Sometimes it turns my stomach, you know, and I just, "Oh." And so I, I feel like if I were to show that off to somebody, it's a crapshoot what reaction you're yeah, going right. to get. <laughs> Look at how cool this is as I'm sobbing in the corner, you know. <laughs>
1: it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel the same way, specifically with my dad. That would yeah. be a hard one. Yeah. That would be a hard one. Yeah,
0: truly. So. Truly. That's... <laughs>
1: neat though neat technology
0: it really is it really is i met this girl um i was telling you i was filming that tv show the blocks and i met this girl who specializes in how disrespectful am i i call grown-ass women girls like that's so fucking disrespectful jesus christ okay so i met this woman over at the blocks and she um met she specifically does like legacy trinkets memorial trinkets um it's really neat the things that she can do. I've got uh, a necklace with my dad's thumbprint on it and oh, his, awesome. his, his birth and death. Um, but she she does things like that. She makes these huge blankets with people's pictures on them, like just really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. She's a very interesting individual. Um, that's with, awesome. She, her company's called Eight Three Eight Memorial. Okay. And Eight Three Eight is the time her dad died. Oh. What a great... That's nice. What a, I was like, damn it, I wish I would have taken that.
1: <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome, though. I mean, like, because there, again, it's one of those things that, you know, it, you have this, you and I were talking earlier, you know, it. there's this rift now where people, you have traditional uh, beliefs that we've all been raised in, and then yeah. you have folks that have left those beliefs, and there's yeah. like, you know, in some ways the the tradition of death is very uh in some cultures uh in america are very like you know they visit the graves every you know every so often they yes. clean them they do this they yes um you know i have, I have a friend who is uh, he's not really religious anymore like he grew up catholic but he still has um you know an ofrenda and has like ancestor veneration and like you know any that's his little thing. Yeah. And he's, he's an avowed atheist, but he takes the, the notion and comfort of yeah. remembering his, yeah. his family passing. Um, and there's, there's those of us like, you know, like you and me that have, you know, drifted away from what we may have you know, traditionally been raised in, yeah. and it's like you know, seeing these new ways to memorialize and remember and and venerate those that yes. came before, um, is is awesome. I think it, so. it
0: really is. It really <laughs> is to, to watch everyone else evolve. Yes, uh, with with their viewpoints and to not um, be so taboo mm-hmm. about wearing your dead dad's
1: fingerprint around your neck. You know, <laughs> I, think, I think in some ways a lot of people just kind of shut down on death, like death yeah. is. you know, death isn't. Something you talk about, like oh no, like uh, my my in laws, they they don't really like talking about death much, and um, it's it's one of the it's it's always a very sad thing, and, and I grew up where death is, and maybe this is more of an old school European thing, but it's yeah you know death is sad, but you remember the life that they yes. had and the adventures and the stories. And it's, um, yes, we miss them, but also, I mean, it, it, it's an Irish wake, you know, right. You're, you're celebrating their life. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's one of those weird things where it's a crap shoot on, on, you know, you show to a memorial service. I recently, one of the, the guys I served with, um, passed from brain cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy, younger mm-hmm. than both of us. Damn. And it was so awesome because the memorial service was not sad. They were just like we are celebrating Jay. And that if you're here to cry, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> you can go into the other chapel down the hall. Yeah. We're here. Where else are you gonna take and come into a funeral service and all the folks are wearing wearing Jordans? Yeah. Like, we're, we're celebrating jay today yeah and that to me is beautiful because yes. death can be beautiful but you have sometimes you have to work a little bit to get there right yes i think that
0: for folks who see on the regular um fate's way worse than death because they exist oh yeah um I think that the reason we see such comfort and such solace in death is because it's the end of that damn suffering. Yep. Um, even, even with my own experience, my dad is the only family member that I've, I've had that's been close to me that's mm-hmm. passed. Um, so that's why I reference him as much as I do. Um, but but when, when dad was dying, I was way more upset. I was way more beside myself knowing that I couldn't get him comfortable yep. than I was when he passed. When he initially passed, I don't even think I initially cried. Um my my first
1: thoughts were um the suffering's over. Yep. He can That's rest. It. He can rest. When my my mom tore herself apart when my dad passed and uh, you know they you may not know the story but my, they got into an argument um, my dad was going to go ride his but motorcycle he that's how he cleared his head sure um, he as near as we can figure he had uh, he was having chest pains at his friend's house he left his friend's house to go get his nitroglycerin mm. going back home he's headed back home to my mom but the mm. last word she said was if you want to go just go and he ended up wrecking his motorcycle. We didn't find him for two weeks. Um, Jesus Christ! And uh, that sat with her, and it poisoned her well until the day she sure. passed. And it, and when she finally passed, she'd in and out of the hospital. Uh, you know, for for alcohol, heart attacks, everything, and she didn't take care of herself. She was just grief ate yes. her alive. Yes, and um, when she finally passed. I was in fire academy then. And, um, it, the, my brother called and he said, you know, uh, actually, no, the, one of the medics that I knew that I'd worked with called me first and was like, I'm so sorry. I tried, man. I tried, I tried. And it, it was him. He went to the call Mm. and my brother called me and said, you know, mom passed and everything. And the only thing I could think of was Man, she's not hurting anymore. Right. Like, right. you know, whatever your thoughts on the afterlife. Oh, she's with dad now. Okay, whatever. But she right now is not hurting anymore.
0: <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what I have. Irrefutable proof.
1: Yes. And that, <laughs> that right there was such solace to me. That yes. I, I, you know, I miss my mom. Yeah. And in the moment yeah. I miss her. I wish I could yeah. tell her, you know, like, dude, I love you. And yeah. I, I'm sorry. I could. And that's the thing. I was more ate up by the fact that there was nothing I could do to ease my mom's grief Mm -hmm. for, Mm -hmm. you know, what, from 2008 to 2013, there was nothing I could do to take and ease that grief. And she finally stopped hurting. And if that's the piece that I have to walk away with, then that then brother, that's the piece I'm walking away with. Cause at that's least right. I have something she's not right. hurting anymore. And that means that my mom isn't suffering. That's it. And that as a son, I think that's all I can really hope for. out right. of a bad situation. You know? Right.
0: Right. That's, that's, that's a frame of mind that I, I wish I could get more people into. Yeah. Um, it, we just get so overwhelmed with the gravity and the, the, the heaviness of our own damn feelings mm-hmm. that we lose track of the experience of the other person. Right. It's... Um, and, and, you know, I think we could carry that through multiple, multiple areas and facets of our lives. Oh, yes, very much. So. Anytime you lose the well rounded perspective on something, it becomes skewed, it becomes skewed, and then somebody's going to lose. And the unfortunate thing is when we're talking about death and grief and, and prolonging the inevitable, um, it's usually the person that's suffering that ends up losing. Yeah. And and we do all of this under the guise of love.
1: On, on the ambulance, I had one distinct call that uh, he was coming from a nursing home, or no, going back to a nursing home. I picked him up at the hospital. This was on the private ambulance side. I yeah. used to transport back, and he... Was crying and I'm like, oh no, sir, is, are you hurting? Like, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Uh, you know, we I can do some pain management. Um, need to adjust you. Like, what what's going yeah. on? Talk to me. And he just he was crying and he this man was a World War II veteran, combat veteran, mm-hmm. and he is sitting on my stretcher crying, asking me, please don't send me back there. They just forget about me. Yep. And yep. Can you just give me two? too much medicine and I'll just go to sleep and you want to talk about tearing up right there and like I I get a little misty thinking about it because it's like this grown man who had seen multiple combat tours in you know one of the great wars is crying just saying give me some relief yeah he's broken (laughs) and and nobody's listening nobody's listening and there's nothing I can do
0: there's a, it's an interesting phenomenon that happens. Should we live long enough, that somehow um, we grow out of being human mm. to society? Um, yeah. and and so all of the concepts that you factor in when you're caring for your grandpa are just things people don't think about when it comes to old folks. And it, it makes me crazy. It makes it's, me crazy. At what point do we stop having the
1: same needs that we've always had? Exactly. It's it's one of those things you become part of the forgotten. And it's you hurt. I mean, let's be real. Being like, like your your patient said, I'm 98, and that's not too good. <laughs> you know, like it hurts. Things hurt. Things are breaking yes. down, and and yes. cognitive decline. And sometimes you're aware of it. My, my granddad sometimes realize he realizes that he is not always there cognitively right. like he used to be, and that weight of that is got to be crushing. Sometimes, you know. And it's like you you, as a caregiver, whether professional or just familial, you you owe it to them to be compassionate to that and still remember that they are they're a human just like us. And, you know, low there do I go because I (laughs) I will be there one day and I, I, I pray that August thinks about those sorts of things with me and and tries to take care of me and his mom you know if we make it that far yeah um it's 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 nuts but that right there man it's the 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 loss of compassion for those situations and just kind of not realizing that uh you know the decline is real and we have to kind of keep that that they're human still yes. you got to take and work with yes
0: that. you know I, I i think it's interesting also that we we talk about the humanity that happens with older folks but then like like cattle we cram them into these facilities that we want them to consider their home. We could do a whole episode on that. Yes. And <laughs> and, and we, give, we give these poor people who start out with great intentions of being nurses and CNAs 60 patients apiece that they're supposed to care for. And
1: this is what we expect them to close out their life with. It's the churn. I mean, with 60 patients, how... How can you expect to give any sort of compassionate, real-world care beyond funneling meds? Right. And it's and you can barely do that. Like The only thing I could offer this gentleman was, hey, man, yeah. listen, we got about a 60-minute ride. You talk to me about whatever you yep. want to talk about, and I'll hold your hand. If you want to pray, we'll pray. And I'm not a religious sort, but, man, I'll pray with you right whatever now. Whatever brings you comfort. Like, yeah. what can I do to help? Yeah. and. You know, you can't do that if you got sixty patients. No. You can't, and it's it's horrible for the patients, but it's also a meat grinder for the caregiver. Yes. You turn them into these automatons that don't feel anything. That they now don't see the patient as human. Right. Because they're just a number. A nuisance. Yep. Let me chart real quick. All right. Check mark. Check. Yep. Check mark. One more opportunity for me to get written up.
0: Yep. One more complaint
1: and that's how we take and expect them to care for our loved ones like yes it's the system is faulty and and we don't want to talk about it because death and end of life and oh it's it's messy it's gross it's no one wants to be confronted with their own mortality but here's the thing all of these caregivers will eventually be in that position if they're lucky enough right right and yeah yeah once the shoe is on the other foot do you want to be treated that way Right. And I don't. I mean, right. once, if I get to that point and you can't take care of me anymore, put throw, me in the middle of the woods. Throw me in the leaves. Because, <laughs> Abandon me in the yeah. middle of the woods. Just do it. Yep. Just tell lots of good stories. <laughs> go have a good old fashioned Irish wake and That's just right. leave dad alone. I'm fine. That's right. Um, yeah. I, I just, because it's, I've seen, you know, and, and it's all with the best of intentions starting out, yeah. and, and but it just turns into, you just the patients get lost
0: you know and and something I also think that isn't talked enough about is so it's already a bad situation 60 patients to one CNA 60 patients to one nurse mm-hmm. and then you factor in dementia and yes, it is wonderful to say all day that I love all old people and that, you know, they're just a joy to take care of. And this is their golden years. But when you have a patient <laughs> who is attacking you yep. every time you try to change their diaper, when you have a, a, a mom or a dad or a spouse at the house that you can't even take a step into their room without them trying to attack you, now this puts things in a different perspective, and and I hear people all the time say, I don't understand how someone could beat up an old person. I am not saying I personally would ever put my hands on an old no. person, but I see how people can do it. Boy, I everyone see. everyone is
1: human. Yes, I sp- we push these people to their breaking points, and it's just... Well, and then you have, the, I mean, that brings up the whole notion of attrition, right? Like the, and why you know, someone who would, who loves their mom dearly or loves their dad dearly or their grandfather would end up and opting in on, on a, a, a nursing home or something. Right. right? And those things aren't cheap. So no. we got, we can't afford the, the super nice one. Right. So we're going to put them in, not the budget, but you know, this next step up a <laughs> super eight. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. And we're going to take and foist that responsibility on someone we're willing to pay, for pennies on the dollar. Honestly, right? To take care of your your mom, your dad. They, these are your loved ones, right? Like, and it's a gut wrenching choice. I'm not saying it's an easy one, but it's it's never going to be clean. It is always going to be messy. I mean, yes. even if it's even if the physical altercation uh, threat isn't there, and it's just grandpa just yelling, just ah, uh, constant. Four. Constant hours. Yes, on loop. Yep. I mean, guess what? That's that's part of it, and there needs to be something. Yes, we're here to give care to them, but also there needs to be definitive changes given to for the caregiver as yes. well. Support networks. Something. Yes. Yes. You know? Even if it's just, you know, a little bit of a support system, something. And and when you're in the trenches. You don't always have the bandwidth to do that no. for yourself. No, it's tunnel vision. And it's tunnel yeah, vision. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're there. You're fighting the fight every yeah. day. And then yeah. the one, maybe you get a day off, and it's and all you can do is just make a cup of coffee and get up and just, you know, maybe go get groceries or something, right? Like, it's it's hard.
0: When I got a day off from providing care for my dad, I couldn't even take it. I couldn't even take it. Um, I had a friend who drove up to sit with him just for a little bit, so I could walk away from his bedside. And I went up the street to the Chick Fil A. I grabbed a meal and I went to a park, and I ate the meal. And I said, "Okay, that's enough," <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because I couldn't stop wondering what's going on with him now. What is he doing it's on now? Loop. Yes, I could not turn it off, and so it became more stressful for me to take that time off. So. Folks who have that um overachieving O C D loop playing constantly about caregiving really need that extra support oh, because guys. Jesus Christ,
1: I burned myself out. Yep. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. It's and that's the thing, like you you get into this cycle and you, you may have folks telling you to pump the brakes. You may have somebody yeah. like I've I've had senior medics go, Hey man you slow it down, you're going to, you're going to burn out. And okay. All those words are fine and good. But again, if you're in the trenches and you know, we all work overtime. We work so much overtime because that's how you make your money. And you take, and, and also there's just, there are shifts that need to be filled. Like people won't quit getting hurt. People still need care 24 seven. And if you're one of those people that wants to help genuinely, you're going to keep going back. Right. And you can't turn it off. And yeah. it gets to a point where, you know, yeah, all the, the well-meaning, well-wishes and words of advice are fine. But you, you need a system yes. to help you break that loop. And yes. that's not taught in any of the classes. It's not. It's one of the things that I tried to harp on when I taught in EMS um, to my students. That the, right now you are learning. Let's build. Let's build into the system in your head right now a way of coping and dealing with this because I promise you you can go to your supervisor you can go to uh, whoever at at your work and most of the time you will be given a number to call and you'll be shuffled off to the baby and that's <laughs> all you get and you're still left yeah with you may get an actual person on the phone at some point but that's it I, that's not it's not feasible.
0: It's it's long overdue. It is. It's it is. long overdue, man. And and the fact that uh, we are just now really finding these conversations in mainstream mm-hmm. is is baffling to me.
1: It's, I don't I don't understand how it we as a culture, specifically American culture. I don't I don't understand how we we've gotten around talking about death, and you know everybody wants to be like oh death I oh, don't know
0: because death is weakness yeah death is weakness um we always talk about death like a fight oh yeah you have a choice like you have the
1: opportunity to win over death no no it's i promise you (laughs) he or she will uh will win out you know every single time i'm pretty competitive Um, and i'm pretty certain i'm it's it's a done deal at some point. <laughs> when I was when I was a hospice admissions nurse, one of
0: the things I used to tell people who would say, "Well, Jesus is going to heal her. Jesus is going to heal her. We don't need your services." I would say consistently, your definition of healing and God's definition of healing may not be the same. Yes. So watch what you say because healing means the problem is gone. Yes. And what is the easiest the most definitive way to make sure that cancer is gone and doesn't Take away come back all the suffering now we bring on death yes yes and so that is that when it comes to christianity in this area um, everyone wants to go to heaven mm-hmm. But no one understands you got to fucking die to get there. Yep.
1: <laughs> and, that's, and that's a messy affair.
0: <laughs> Betwixt here and there, it's very messy. Yes. You, you yeah. got to die to get there. You know, I was in a conversation with another nurse uh, the other day. Um, we were talking about death. We had a patient who passed away. And this patient was uh, someone we saw on a regular basis yeah. and did their fair share of suffering. God bless them. And, and so when they, when they passed, I said, oh, thank God. I'm so happy for them. And this nurse said, happy for them. How dare you? That is so disrespectful. (laughs) That is so disrespectful. And I said, no, no, what's disrespectful is shoving that NG tube down their nose Mm -hmm. one more time, causing them all that pain. What's disrespectful is tying their arms to the bed so they can't pull that tube out so you don't have to drop it down one more
1: time. Um, Now they can't even scratch their dang face. Sending sending the the, the war hero back to... Yeah. Anonymity at the nursing home. That's disrespect. That's disrespectful. Like death. And I hate to, to call on pop culture, but there is a, uh, there is, he was a hospice. So back in the, the early two thousands, there was a show called heroes. It was about superheroes and stuff. Right. So one of the main characters, Peter Petrelli was a hospice CNA. I want to say not even a nurse. And he goes, uh, he talking to one of his patients, family, uh, He goes, death can be a beautiful thing if you let it. Yes. And it's, we forget about that so often. And it's like, you can have end of life. It's gonna be messy. We get that. But you can do things to help make it less messy and enjoy, not enjoyable, but I mean, you can find joy in it, not in enjoyable, anything. but you can find joy. And yes, the biggest thing is not just you as a caregiver or a family member, the patient yes. can find joy in it. And right it, again, we fall back on the same topic, you know, who's, who's dying? Who, who, who is actually the patient? Let's focus on them. We got to focus on us too, but if we have this notion of making death beautiful and, and, and understanding that there's, I mean, it's sacred it's yes. birth and death. I mean, this is, it's the cycle, right? Like we, we venerate birth and it's, it's beautiful, this beautiful thing. And death has just been shuffled off to the corner right. somewhere. And it's like, no, it can be just as beautiful.
0: Yes. Every sentence has to end. Yep. And there's gotta be a period
1: to yep. end it. That is, that is all death is and it's that 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 whole quote just stuck with me for the longest time i'm just like you know it's just it's true if you if you look for beauty in it you can find it and and especially if it's your loved ones yes i mean there's so much shared experience you know why do you want it to go out on a sour note right let's make it beautiful right um and if it's a patient and don't you think you owe it to your patient to do your damnedest to find some sort of beauty in, in this chaos, you Just know? Just peace. G- yes. give, give them something and, yes. and try and, you know, talking to them. And again, you have to have time to talk to them. Yeah. And that's how you yeah. make these inroads to take and have these conversations and, and hopefully ease, you know, I can give you some morphine, but can I take in, you know, help with the mental and emotional stuff you're going through, because I don't have anything in my med bag for that, <laughs> you know, believe me, if I did, I would, I would, I would be using... i had already been guzzling. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, and the only thing we have to present with that is our humanity and yeah. that starts with conversation and starts with this shift in mindset of yes. finding beauty and joy in these things. And I don't know how to get from here to there with some people. I've done it with myself, but that's it. You know, it. that's key. Model
0: the behavior. That's key. It's <clears throat> it's a combination of modeling the behavior and just allowing people to take their journey. Yep. Because the old adage, "You can lead a sheep to water," mm-hmm. that that applies. Yeah. That applies. You know, you can you can put every rational (laughs) statistic, every rational, um, cliche out there to folks that makes perfect sense. And they even acknowledge this makes perfect sense, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case might be, they're not there. They can't make that, they can't make that move. Um, and you know, I, I found even, even in my religious childhood, in my, in my religious childhood, I used to wonder constantly about exposing kids and forcing kids to be um so so religious and so fervent and so zealot at such a young age are we being fervent are we being zealot are we are we these huge believers because this is our relationship with that deity yeah or is this what I've been taught I'm supposed to do and so I'm really just running through a ritual? Where is the authenticity here in this relationship? Um, And so I allow my folks, hospice, um, in the hospital, family, whoever it might be that I'm talking about these weird things with, I allow them to think their own thing, to, to mm-hmm. believe your own thing, and I'm I'm here with two ears that are willing to listen and whenever.
1: Make peace with it how That's you it. will, but find peace. And if Please. I can take and help Please. you know, yeah. usher that in and help get that to grow, then man, I'm all here for you. But right. Uh, so I don't necessarily know how to pave the way to that. Correct. Yeah, there you know, is it, no way. You're going to have to take and find that on your own. Yes. But we can find it together.
0: That's right. That's right. I'm here to listen. Mm-hmm. I'm here to listen. I'm here to bounce ideas off of. But this is your journey. Yep. This is your journey. I had a conversation with um, someone a few weeks ago talking about recovery mm-hmm. and how recovery for each individual is very different. Um, and we use the example, um, my wife, Lisey mm-hmm. loves meditation. Yeah. That's her thing, you know, and she does meditation through these intricate drawings that she does. Um, and, and that to me, um, if there is a hell that's probably it for me. <laughs> um, but for her, that's the only way she copes and processes things, is yeah. just doing this repetitive, tedious shit. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm more similar to you. I have to get up and move. Yep. I have to get up and go do something. I have to physically work this out um, to process it easier. Yeah. Um, maybe, I guess, that's a male-female difference. I don't know, but that, that that's... Uh, Latin,
1: uh, there's a military... Group called uh, that has a motto, I forget who it is, but they uh, solve I'm probably butchering the pronunciation Salvatore ambulando. Uh, bad, it is solved by walking.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I,
1: that's, that's my thing. Like, if I am <laughs> struggling with something, I will just go walk. And you know what? <laughs> if at the end of the walk, I still don't have a solution. I still feel better. Yeah. So I'm just going to go do that. Um, That's my meditation. And I've gotten a dose of vitamin D. Yeah. You know, know.
0: walking here in Georgia, I've probably gotten a week's worth of vitamin D. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Especially right now. little heat stroke. (laughs) (laughs) And now I've forgotten my problems for other reasons. Exactly. Now you're hot. So it's all good. Yeah. You know, water under the bridge. That's it. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So what would you say, um, is your number one go-to coping mechanism when it
1: comes to grief? I know we just talked a little bit
0: about physical
1: activity. Um, for me, I always, I always lead with, if you're having issues, go for a walk. And that's just because it gets number one, we, we are not a mobile culture. Um, (laughs) so it, it's sometimes a walk, is it's hard for some people and then yes. you know what if it's hard if it's hard physically your mind is going to be focused on how hard it is so go go walk just like it's hot go walk you'll be hot you won't be struggling with what's on on your mind um, and that's not necessarily to say that you know you don't need to puzzle out a solution you do but you need some distance yes. and that's what walking yes. sometimes does um, i'm also a big fan of just Uh, there is a a book written uh, by mm, I forget his name Brad Warner I want to say he's a Zen guy and it's Sit Down and Shut Up and uh, it talks about it it removes all of the uh, religious connotations from Zen Buddhism, Chan Buddhism and he talks about just you know everybody wants to mystify meditation and everything (laughs) and he's like sit down, (laughs) shut the hell up. And guess what? It's uncomfortable. Your butt's going to itch. You're going to move. You're going to wiggle. Your face is going to itch. You're going to take and start to fall asleep. And he's like, but just breathe, just breathe. And here's the thing in that process, you're going to take, and you're going to find that you're going to create some space in your head. Sure. And sometimes that's all that, that matters. And that's what I take and tell people that when they I've had people come up and be like, you know, look, man, I'm going to, my head's going to explode like yeah. something, you know? Yeah. And well, I, I don't know what works for you. This is what works for me, modeling those behaviors. But mm-hmm. you know, you need to find something. I was like, is there anything that gives you peace? Is there something that you can do automatically? Just like do it doesn't need to be something that takes all of your attention, right? Something that just, you can just be, even if it's for like two minutes um, you know, I, I got a friend he literally just goes outside and just does 10 deep breaths mm. and 10 deep breaths turned into 20 20 now he sits, and he just stands. he sits there and does the whole arm motion in and out and it, he said it was an old theater exercise that he learned from our old drama teacher in high school and he's just he came to it he, uh, his mom passed and he just needed felt like he needed to he couldn't breathe yes and yes, you suffocate. And he started doing these in the morning. And he's like, Josh, it's, I don't know why, it just works. <laughs> and he's like, You know, I started out doing 10, 20, and then, then I started doing it for time. And he goes, Now I just go out there and I'm like, I'll be out there for 20 minutes, just hyperventilating. Just, yeah, and he's like, I'm just breathing out everything. And he goes, You know what? I start the day that way. And he goes, And I have started doing smaller sessions at night before I go to sleep. And he's like, Man, wow. I sleep so much better. And I've just kind of, in those moments, I everything kind of just lines up a little bit better. He goes, I'm not saying I'm unraveling the mysteries of the world, <laughs> mm-hmm. but the things, my thoughts, the processes in my head line up just a little bit better. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, just like with, the, with coming to terms with death, I think it's your own path. Um, you need to find things that work for you. But, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I think walking and, and sitting down and shutting up are real yes. good starts because then... You know, it's all about. You don't need a lot of space, right? But you need a little bit. And if it can get, if you can create an inch of space in your head, then maybe something will come of that. And you can take and build just like right. ten breaths turn to twenty, right? Like something to build onto a lifeline of some right. sort. Um, I like that you have
0: realistic expectations there, you know, and it's not, you take 10, 20 breaths and suddenly you're ready to add guru in front of you. Oh man, the cloud shall shall be one with the trees now.
1: That's right. um,
0: You only wear linen from this point forward. uh, Yeah. I mean,
1: it's too hot for that. Um, You know, it's, it's one of those things you have to have realistic expectations. And I think that goes back to our earlier conversation where, you know, it's, it's going to be messy. None Mm. of this is clean. No, None of it. We are humans. I mean, we, uh, Pratchett said, uh, we are where the, the, the rising ape meets the fallen angel. Right. And, and it's, we're, we're, we have this weird dichotomy where, you know, we have all these lofty, you know, beautiful, spiritual, chaotic thoughts and feelings. Right. And man, at the end of the day, we're just we're, we're, we're the third chimpanzee, you know, and, and we're, we're like, we're, we're, like a couple of bad days from, from slinging poop and chucking rocks. That's correct. Cause on some bad days we do those things. Exactly. Yes. I so, can't tell you the amount of times
0: I've had shit slung at me. It's, it's one of those <laughs>
1: things where you just, you have to have real, if you, you're setting yourself up to fail, if you have these, these lofty expectations, yes. because the real world doesn't work that way. Right. You, you, you know, we, we talk about being gracious. We talk about being
0: accommodating and tolerant of other people we never talk about how important it is to give ourselves those mm-hmm. same graces to give ourselves that same mercy you're you're gonna fuck up
1: you're, that's all we do you you're gonna mess up yes. it's gonna be hard you're yes. gonna and guess what i can tell you to this that we could have a whole conversation not recorded where i can take <laughs> and tell you all the mistakes i've made Ditto. yeah and yeah. Yeah. how i replay that yeah. every day yeah and yeah but guess what i'm human Mm -hmm. and I'm going to mess up. Mm -hmm. You're going to mess up. Mm -hmm. The new nurse is going to mess up probably more than us, but they're, and guess what? They have to be okay with it. Correct. They have to find something to create that space to be okay with it. Because at the end of the day, you're a human and you have to go home and you have to live with yourself. Right. And if you don't, eventually you can cover it up. But eventually you're going to show up because that's our job, right? That's our job to show up for patients. You're yes. going to start showing up physically, but you won't show up there emotionally. You won't show up there mentally. And part of specifically, if you deal with death, our job is to show up emotionally. Yes. Our job is to show up mentally because... A lot of our stuff doesn't necessarily take place on the physical realm, on the physical plane. Correct. It is, you know, and you can take and say it's all cognitive. You can say it's spiritual. You can say however you want to couch it in terms. But it's not all in the medicine bag. Right. It's d- we deal with humans. Man, I can't thank you enough for coming out today
0: and hanging ah, it's out. Been and been awesome. And having this conversation. I knew you were going to be the perfect guy to, to groove on this subject with. I appreciate you um, thinking of me. Anytime, my friend. You take care of yourself. I appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. You too. (laughs) Death Daddy's Graveyard Shift is more than just a podcast. It's a movement. We envision a world where conversations about death are normalized and people can openly discuss their fears, hopes, and experiences surrounding mortality. By inspiring a deeper understanding and acceptance of death, we hope to inspire a greater appreciation for life remember that life is short, so why not embrace the quirkiness and lighten up the darkness? Join us on Death Daddy's Graveyard Shift as we embark on a transformative journey through the realm of death. Together, let's uncover the beauty that lies within these final chapters of our existence. Tune in. Subscribe. Let's make death a little less scary one episode at a time.